Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James. I'm super excited to be kicking it with you all here today. My friends, coming up, we have my friend, Anna Royceman. She and I have known each other a very long time, but haven't necessarily spent a ton of time together. But the time that we have had, I have always cherished, and I'm really grateful for her friendship and really grateful for what she posts online, mainly her soup recipes. The soup game is strong with this one. Uh, But let me tell you a little bit about her before we bring her out. Anna Royceman is a comedian, a host, a writer, an actress. She is the host of HQ Words and HQ Trivia. If you fancy yourself some HQ, you'll definitely recognize her. She's been recently seen on NBC's Celebrity Sleepover, and her work has been featured all over in the Tribeca Film Festival, the Just for Last Festival, New York Times, LA Times, all the times, really. Um, She also has an incredible podcast called Unemployed with Anna Roisman, and I really recommend it. The episode with John Gabris that she recently did actually spoke to me a lot as a fellow Long Island boy, Uh, but uh, I'm super pumped to have her. You can follow her all over social media as Anna Roisman. But also, you need to check out her dog, Bobby Flay the dog on Instagram is killing it. The dog looks fake, but it's very real. I'm excited to have her come out, y'all. Here comes Anna Royceman. Thank you. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. I I see the the crowd goes wild. Wow, thank you so much for that intro. You know, when you asked for my bio, I was like, is this going to be my intro? Like how how much do I want to put in and not put in? It, It felt great. I felt... I felt important for a second. It was a, it was a good, it was a good length, right? Cause was, no one likes a long bio. They don't. It was all, it was a little long. I didn't know. I was like, maybe he'll pick and choose, you know, but I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. I'm super pumped to have you friend. Thanks. What's going on? So now you are in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I am where the uh, hipsters roam. I don't think it's hipsters anymore. I think it's like families now <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think i think the hipsters have reproduced <laughs> the hipsters have moved on now it's yeah, yeah now it's just uh their parents they're yep. all parents way less skinny jeans way more elastic yeah and a lot of strollers yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah it's it's the new park slope uh, <laughs> uh, i would also call it the brunch capital of the world the oh really is strong in williamsburg it is yeah i mm-hmm. i do like a good brunch if yeah. i if i can go <laughs> so uh, yeah, right. The world's starting to open up now, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna, I'm super pumped to be here. This show is called Diner Talks with James. And I know that you fancy yourself a New York diner. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is your what's your late night diner move with friends? What are you typically ordering late at night at a diner? Sure. So one thing for me that I love at diners is they always have matzo ball soup. And as yes. a, as a Jew, uh, that's a, that's a very exciting thing to have on a menu. Mm-hmm. It's never great, but it's but it's <laughs> consistent. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what you're gonna get. Uh, yeah. So I would say my yeah my late night order is definitely matzo ball soup, and I'll get like. Usually a diner, I'll get like a chicken Caesar wrap. You know how they'll do mm-hmm. any salad in like a wrap? Yeah. That's my that's my classic diner order. Yeah. I have a couple 24 hours near me. That's what I get. <laughs> the chicken Caesar wrap is a, is a classic move as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I've been known to get a buffalo chicken wrap if I'm feeling mm-hmm. fancy and don't care about my esophagus that mm-hmm. night. Yeah. <laughs> I like those too. I forgot about that one. But I feel like I always go with chicken Caesar more than I do buffalo. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you about the matzo ball soup. Most New York diners do it fine, right? It's like it's it's a solid six or a seven at every sure. diner. Yeah. But it's never above that uh, and rarely below it. Now, for you, what makes a good matzo ball soup? Like, what would elevate it? Oh, like spices, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, like flavor. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like dill, maybe a carrot, maybe an onion in there, you know? <laughs> Usually they give you like dish water and a matzo ball, but like they salt it, you know, it's got, it's got salt. So it's palate. You can taste it, you know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely some spices, it's fresh like- herbs. 
It's nothing what like uh, grandma was making or, or or mom. I don't know who's who's the chef in your family. It was it was my grandma made the soup. Yeah, yeah. my mom makes it. I make the soups now, and it's not a. It, it wasn't a thing. Like I've always loved to eat soup. The whole soup thing is because it's my favorite food. So yeah, yeah. so that's why I le- I taught myself how to make them. I mean, it's such a great product. Mm-hmm. And fun soup- fact though, I hate making matzo ball soup. It's the one soup I have fucked up multiple times that I just give up. I'm really good at other chicken soups, like other chicken noodle yeah. soups, but like I can't make a matzo ball for the life of me. I have yet to perfect one. So it evades I- you. Yeah. So I'll stick with other soups, but it's embarrassing because people are like, she probably likes to make that. And I'm like, that's anti Semitism. And I'm like, no. <laughs> First off. <laughs> <laughs> oh you jewish wonderful yeah um yeah right exactly i uh <laughs> i i am also a soup lover hale and hardy soup i think is an underrated place around here oh i love hale and hardy i so used to good. get that all the time when i had a day job yeah for sure yeah easy grab and go now when did your love of soups happen was there a soup that ha- like did you have like a crab bisque growing up where you're like what is this world of soups I'm like was there was there a soup that changed the game not that i remember i just always loved it i like really really hot food yeah. so does my mom like to the point where most people would say that will that's boiling that will burn me i yeah. love it like that like when you read when i reheat something i do like three four minutes which i think is like above what most people do in a microwave <laughs> Like my boyfriend will not eat anything I heat up for a while because he knows it's like going to be like piercing hot. Um, (laughs) So I think maybe because soup's like the hottest of the hot foods. So I don't know. I just always loved it. I loved ramen. I used to make cup of noodles like, you know, the cup of noodle. I still make them sometimes. Those are like a really good food for me to have late night. But Mm -hmm. a cup of noodles, I used to make them at camp, like even with shower water. I'd like hold it up under a sh- under a shower head that was like like i'd prefer that than like chips i no, i love chips but then like cookies i guess i'd be like i'm just gonna go make a cup of noodles and like hold it up against a shower everybody's like where's where's anna pretty sure uh pretty sure she's eating soup in a shower house again soup in the shower house yeah her pores look great and her esophagus is is, is happy um Gone. yeah <laughs> Oh, that's, that's incredible. I, uh, I am a creamy soup lover. Mm. I like your chowders and your bisques. Uh, and I'm also new England clam over Manhattan. I don't understand what happened to Manhattan clam chowder and why it exists. I don't, I don't agree with the tomato broth. Some people love it, but I don't understand why. I love it. I got it. Here we go. I love it. I don't do creamy soups. That's why. So Mm. you learn to love every soup. That's not a creamy soup. Uh, because I'm lactose intolerant. So I haven't had real dairy in 14 years, <laughs> yeah. which is a long ass time. I was like young when that happened. It wasn't trendy then. It was like medical, you know, now everyone's like dairy free. And I'm like, thank God they all, it became trendy because there's so many more options for a person who actually had to cut it out at, you know, early in their life. But yeah. so I don't eat creamy soups unless it's like a non-dairy creamy soup. Here's the thing. Manhattan clam chowder, if it's smoky and if you top it off with Tabasco, it it, it gives you what you need from like a seafood soup okay oh, it's so good but yeah. then again you know i haven't had the creamy one in 14 15 years so that's <laughs> probably better but if you can't have it you, you got to do it right it's all about what you put on the soup i don't think yeah. a soup is ever perfect on its own yeah yeah uh yeah you got to zhuzh it up a little bit i agree you definitely I agree. Do. My yeah. mom, my, that's my mom's favorite phrase like i'm gonna zhuzh it up a little bit james mm-hmm. uh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, uh, they yeah. zhuzh a lot in Long Island. That's, oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. A lot of zhuzhing on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My mom's from Long Island, but she refused to raise her family there. No offense, but you know, <laughs> she thinks she got out. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And now, where were you raised? You were raised in the Philadelphia area? Yeah. I'm from Philly. Yeah. From Philly. Yeah. For I'm sure. basically oh, yeah. from the Long Island of Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the main line uh oh yeah you know Mm -hmm. there were a lot of fancy cars in my high school parking lot it looks like long island from a distance but one of my favorite uh one of my favorite town names is on the main line it's just conshohocken which was just fun to say very fun to say yeah Yeah. (laughs) conshohocken is um you know what else is fun to say on the jersey transit metuchen Metuchen, New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
Yep, and Manassas. This is Manassas, Virginia. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a bunch of stuff. Yeah, the uh, and uh, what's oh man, that's what this podcast is, right? We just make fun of town names for yeah. a while. Mainly Jersey, I think, since it's in between us. We're just gonna shit on that for a yeah, while. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hawken, though, is right where my high school is, right by Conshohocken. Like I'd go to the Conshohocken Wawa, like after high school, if I oh, wanted to. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Now, here's the other thing I wanted to ask you about this. Since since you're someone who loves hot soups, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts? on like gazpachos and vichyssoise and things like that. Are you like, get the hell out of here? Or has the soup aficionado uh, kicked in with some of those? It's kicked in. I actually, it's funny. You said Hale and Hardy. Hale and Hardy used to have an amazing gazpacho. I don't know if you ever had it, but it was, it was like cold soup. Oh, it was really good. Like on a, it needs to be a really, really hot day for me to like want it, you know? Sure, yeah. But I'll still eat soup on a hot, like hot soup on a hot day. But mm-hmm. I don't mind the cold soups. If there's a hot one on the menu, I will order that before the cold. Yeah. You know? If- Here's a, a, a random quirk about me is that I don't like foods that in my brain are supposed to be hot to ever be served cold. So, for example, mm. I don't like cold soups. I also, therefore, don't like macaroni salad, pasta salad. Okay. I'm just like, what, what are we doing? Also, if I'm going to order a sandwich out, the least you can do is melt the cheese. Right. Like, what are we doing over here? In my opinion. (laughs) I like that. So you don't like when they like grill vegetables and then like put them out cold on a platter. You wanted that hot. That eggplant looks like dead fish. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I get that. I totally that's that's not too quirky. I get it. I don't love pasta. I never ate really macaroni. Like if I prefer potato salad over Mm -hmm. pasta salad easily. There it is. There it is. We're really hitting the hard stuff, you know. This is podcast is about vulnerability, <laughs> and I love that we've really I'm gone in. I'm just hungry now. Yeah, is, yeah, right. For, can we actually take a break? Uh, no. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not proud of this. You mentioned ramen earlier, and this is the last soup conversation we'll have, maybe. Um, but uh, I, I'm not proud of this. But I was living in New York, so therefore I was like around 24 years old or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in 24. And a friend of mine came to visit me from from college. And and, and she came up, she's like, oh, I really want ramen. And I was like, okay, like, what, like, do you, are you balling on a budget? Like, what's going on? Because at that time, like, I, ramen, especially like college brain James, like ramen <laughs> comes in packets or ramen comes in cup of noodles, right? right. And like, and I am a, like, naive white boy, um, AKA uncultured. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so, <clears throat> so I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I could run out to the store and grab you some <laughs> real quick. She's like, no, I found this spot. It's Momofuku noodle bar. Uh-huh. And we're going to go over there. And, and I was like, all right. Oh wow. You like came here with the plan. I don't even have to figure out where I'm for dinner. And so we went over there and my mind was blown. And I was like, what is this other crap that I've been eating? Now don't get me wrong. Right. It is fine in a pinch, but still like, like compared to the outrageousness that is true authentic ramen what i assume is true authentic ramen having never been in japan um is an outrageous product oh my god yeah it it changes everything i i i didn't know ramen it's funny because when i first moved to new york well not first i was i was here and then i was in la and then when i first came back i lived on um 11th between third and fourth avenue so right Mm -hmm. near the momofuku noodle bar but there was also um What's the other ramen place by my blood? Oh, Ipudo or Ipudo, which is the best, I think, in the city. Mm -hmm. And so it's always like a 90 minute wait. So I would like put my name in and then go home. And then like I'd do it. I'd do it 90. I was like, well, I live around the corner. I'd walk my dog, put my name in and then like come back at dinner time. (laughs) I was like, this is how you do it. You live right by the ramen place. That's really popular. That takes no reservations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you beat the system right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well played. Well Thank played. Thank you. <laughs> so you grew up in the uh, on the main line in mm-hmm. Philly. Um, growing up, what was what was what was Anna's dream? Like when you Montgomery were Montgomery County, I should say Monco. Montgomery County, Stand not Delco, Monco. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Y'all, we gonna get a fight in the chat. There is no chat, but at some point in time, there'll be a chat. Um, but uh, the fisticuffs are coming out. So, what was the dream? What was the dream for you, Anna, when you were younger? When you were you know, five, six, seven, eight years old was, was the stage, the dream was a microphone, a dream was it something else. Um, yeah, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from the moment I was born. I don't remember ever wanting to do anything else. I wanted to act. I wanted to be on Broadway and sing and be in movies and 
work in fashion. Like I really, you know, I don't think I knew what influencer was then because we didn't have those then, but like that would have been on the list. It kind of hits a lot of places. Uh, I didn't necessarily know I was going to do comedy. Uh, Like I didn't know I was going to do stand-up comedy. That wasn't new. That wasn't something I was like, I need to do that when I was a kid, but I knew I needed to be in entertainment and like, and like make stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are there like classic home videos of you, you know, putting on shows for the family or things like that? Uh, They don't exist anymore. My parents got rid of everything from my childhood when they sold our house. Uh, Uh There's literally not, I, I, maybe they have, I don't think they have anything to be honest. Um, Yeah. They got rid of our house when I was in college. Uh, It's a sore spot. They didn't tell us, they didn't tell my brother and me, they told my Mm. sister because she was still around. Uh, But yeah, we were pretty pissed off about that. But every Sunday night I would have a show in my house. I was the oldest. So my brother and sister were my backup dancers or, you know, they would, they would serve as supporting characters. They were never the lead, uh, obviously. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's like not allowed. And so, you know, it was usually like a Spice Girls reenactment or yes. like I did a lot of Britney or you know Mariah Carey I had a fish named Mariah Carey so I was very uh you know I was very into pop stars and I loved theater like I yeah. loved musical theater um and so I was just like well I'll be doing all of this like I thought it was no question my parents are not in entertainment at all so this yeah. was probably freaked them out as a child you know <laughs> Was there something that you like, was there something that like triggered it for you or were you just like constantly like, was it, did you see a movie? Did you watch a show? Did you like, what was it that was like, no, this is it. I don't remember. It was just, just just being, I just, yeah, I just loved, I I watched a lot of TV. Um, We were, you know, I grew up in a house where my parents didn't care what we watched Mm-hmm. Uh, on TV, doesn't matter if it's an adult show or you know a rated R movie. Like literally, they didn't ever have any rules about that. Yeah. So I watched a lot as a kid, and uh, and my grandma loved theater. She would take me to see Broadway. My mom every year, like for Christmas time, we would like go to New York and see like the two coolest shows of the year. So like I saw Rent when Rent came out. I was like Amazing. seven, eight. I don't know. And, and I just remember, yeah. Right. And I was very young and my brother was even younger. And I remember my mom took us to rent. We had like dope seats. We saw original cast of rent and we listened to the soundtrack in the car, like on the way to school and back like every day. So we knew all the songs. So we're like sitting there, you know, we're singing rent. We don't know what AIDS is. We don't know what anything is. We don't know. Angel's character. Who knows? (laughs) But we were like, this is so fucking cool that we're, at rent and we i'm sorry can i curse i didn't please do okay that that we are at rent like we are seeing the cd that we listened to you know like that yes. was the coolest thing uh i remember we also saw the lion king that year because it was like hot then and we were like whatever lion king we've seen the movie like rent is where it's at <laughs> <laughs> whatever i'm like most parents would never take their kids to see rent you know yeah. that young I don't know. Like, I didn't know what cocaine was. We're like, whatever. She she can't find her stash. We, we're, it's probably a bow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know the general concept of what paying rent was, let alone mm-hmm. all of the minutia and the plot. Yeah, I knew none of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I knew what, like, sex was because I watched, like, you know, advanced stuff on TV. Sure, yeah. But yeah, I was just like blown away by like shows and, and, and I did shows too. I would act as a kid and I begged them to put me in. I was like, let me get an agent. Like, let me go and do film. Like, I don't need to go to school. I could just work. And like, you know, my parents were like, no, but I begged them to be stage parents. Always. They were not having it. Mm -mm. They said I could do anything I want when I graduate. Which meant I had to graduate. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, Seriously. You know how long away that is from right now, mom and dad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. The, uh, and and here's the thing, Lion King on Broadway, no slouch of a performance. It's quite the show. It's amazing. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. going to see Rent at that time. You know, it's funny. My, now my nieces are big into theater Mm -hmm. um, and do all the community plays and stuff like that. And uh, so they went to go see Hamilton and they had known the soundtrack. Uh, I had known the soundtrack, but on the way in my, my, my sister-in-law was like, okay, 
let me tell you about cheating. <laughs> and like, like, I like had to explain kind of what happened in the second act. Right. Um, and so my, so they got a quick education on the Long Island Railroad. That's funny. <laughs> and they went to see it. But yeah, uh, that's. Uh, How that's old were awesome. they? Uh, they were twelve. Okay. Yeah, twelve-ish, twelve, thirteen, somewhere. Yeah, I think twelve. Yeah. Yeah. See, my parents were like. <laughs> We don't need to explain any of this to them. They'll like it so much just because they know the songs. Right, yeah. <laughs> like- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, though, is that like the internet was around then, but it was nowhere near as rampant as it is now. So it's like kids today um, mm-hmm. are like they they truly do know most things, everything, or teaching everyone else around them. But at that age, you weren't necessarily swamped in the internet yet, and so no. you were just learning. You were just up there watching your rated R movies, learning everything you needed to know. Yeah, perfecting basically. the craft early. I had AOL. Like we did have the internet, and we had AOL. And I I don't know if we had it then, but soon yeah. after and i remember like it was always a fight like my brother and i he's not he's like a less than two years younger so yeah. i was like you know we always wanted to go online but it took up a phone line so you know you'd yeah. fight and i'd be like it's my turn to go on aol you know <laughs> i don't know what i would even do on it i'd go in like yeah. chat rooms and like probably catfish people and be like yeah mm-hmm. i'm a dude or something <laughs> asl let's go asl uh, i loved yeah. it <laughs> The being the fact that you're the oldest, that's the opposite of me, which I love. There's mm. a number of things that we're opposites on already. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. Uh, I'm the youngest of three. You're the oldest of three. Yeah. Yeah. So does being the oldest sibling, is that something that ever weighed on you? Something you think about? Is that something like how does how does that affect, I guess, the way you see your other siblings? You know, stuff like that. I think that for me, uh, I always believed I was the favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that no one could live up to my to what I've done. Uh, I learned I was I, I learned we all had our strengths as I got older. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I never really thought much of it. I think I probably would have loved to have been an only child. Uh, you know, <laughs> whatever I mean, in that environment, <laughs> I probably would have. For some reason, I don't know. Maybe because as an older child, you're you're a little more confident. You're used to being the one who has to live through things first. So mm-hmm. I do think it definitely helps with your self esteem. You know, you're not like I don't have to like follow in the footsteps of anyone else. I am the pioneer of the family. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I do think like when people, some people have met me and they're like, you have siblings i never would have thought that and i find that to be a very weird comment i've gotten more than once and i'm like (laughs) why because i i have it all i don't know like what what does that mean (laughs) incredible and i have your attention i guess i don't know (laughs) um but my siblings yeah we have we have different relationships so i don't know i think for them i i don't know they probably they looked up to me until a certain point none of us none of them do what i do so you know it's always fun to catch up, but like we don't have the same lives at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there still a, a through line? Like, do you do you still do you like your brother and your sister? Um, what if I said no? I would, um, <laughs> we would dive real deep into it, and you would have to hold on because we, no, we would we would poke the bear. <laughs> I do. You know, <laughs> it's funny. My brother and I were always very close growing up. We probably because yeah. we were in school together. We were like you know the same. Eight, uh, like we were, he was two grades younger. So mm-hmm. we drove to high school together and everything. My sister was five years younger in grades. So we weren't as close. We were close when we went to camp because my parents sent us away. And so we only had each other really when we were in Maine. But um, my brother and I were very, very close. And then now, I don't know when it happened in the last few years, in the last year in the pandemic. I don't know. My sister and I talk a lot more than my brother and I now, which is weird yeah. how that happens. You know, I think in life you kind of have, you know, your years where you're closer with one or closer with the other. Or, but yeah, we're all friendly, I'd say. Yeah. Good enough. Family, family meetings aren't too awkward. Uh, I don't think we ever have a family meeting. My parents sold our house so we would never come home again. Like they're, (laughs) they got a two bedroom apartment. They live in downtown center city, Philadelphia, you know, the Soho of Philly in old city and they live it up in their loft. And, you know, we were like, what are you doing? Like, what if we all come home? You know, my dad's like, are you kidding? I'd rather pay for a hotel room for a weekend. What? Twice a year when you all come home, than like, have to like have a big space with bedrooms for you. Like I don't live with you. And I was like, okay, got it. (laughs) 
It's a little cold, but I got it. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. I'm always jealous of the families that are like, my parent, we have a big house for all of the children and the grandchildren, and we want everyone to come home whenever they can. My parents were like, especially during the pandemic, they were like, do not show up here. There, this is a pandemic. You. Yeah. You cannot, when they get a vaccine, you can come here. But until then, uh-uh, we don't want you. And uh, no one went home. No one, my sister's in Colorado, my brother's in Philadelphia. Uh, and I'm here. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Are you close with your siblings? So, so my, my, I have uh, uh, two older brothers and they are nine and 11 years older than me. Oh, wow. So in some ways I kind of you was really an the only baby. child. Yeah. was really the baby and kind of an only child. Right. Um, like there are life experiences were so different. Like, you know, my, my brothers are going off to college and I'm over here still hanging out with stuffed animals mm. or like figuring out which toy car I'm going to play with. <laughs> and, and like, you know, so uh, like they, my, every once in a while, my mom would make them take me to like their friend's house. And it was super awkward because they were all like, it was high school. So they were starting to drink. And I was like, I'm going to play on your drum set. Um, and like, it's like, whatever you got to do, right? Just don't, just don't leave the house and don't break anything. And my we'll brain just went home. to Step Brothers, you know, where he's like, don't yes. touch my drum set, whatever you do. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I was all over it. Um, yeah. And so, but I think once I got to, now once I got to college and maybe like two or three years into college, I remember this moment that I was like, oh, our relationship has changed. And so uh, it was in college that my my oldest brother got married. They both actually got married in college or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that uh, when I was in college, my oldest brother got married. And I remember we were going to um, we were going to his bachelor party. And he picked me up at some train station because I had flown in from uh, North Carolina where I was going to school. And, uh, and you know, we're just kind of like chopping it up a little bit. And then eventually I was like, so how are you doing, man? Like, how are you, how are you actually doing? And he was like, you know, man, he's like, he's like, life's pretty good. I wish I got paid more and I wish I had sex more, but you know, honestly, I'm doing fine. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I've made it. Right. <laughs> You're talking about adult things. Like <laughs> you That's see great. me as a human, right? Like it was that moment. And honestly, from, uh, from that moment, we just started talking about regular life stuff, even though we were constantly in different phases of yeah. life, right? They're getting married and I'm still, you know, shooting stuff into socks um and and they are uh and then and then they're buying houses and i'm getting my first job and then they're having kids and i'm like i don't know on match.com or whatever and so like it just like we were always at very different phases but the conversations changed yeah um, and it was cool that they started to see that i was an, a, a human until uh, capable of intelligent conversation i felt like that with my cousins i had older cousins who okay. were always older and they treated me so young and they still do we're not friends so that's the end of that story <laughs> guess where they're from long island <laughs> okay okay the shade runs deep for long island most of it earned yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, my grandmother loved it while she was alive she would defend it to to her death she was you know oh long island is the greatest place in the whole world better than philadelphia she moved to philly when i was born better than anywhere she ever you know was it, long island was it for her and there it is there it is yeah it, it does it does have its charm it mm -hmm. is very expensive charm mm -hmm. for what for what you get. But I mean, that's <laughs> kind of like that whole corridor, like the DC to Boston, like everything is like, why we're paying this much? Fine. Okay. That's what we're paying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah my sister has like a huge house in Colorado and I pay like the same amount monthly for my one bedroom apartment in Williamsburg, you know? <laughs> And that's because I wanted a doorman. So yeah, I will pay <laughs> too is. much money. <laughs> the doorman's clutch. clutch. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at you that. But yeah, you're right. <clears throat> um, I have a friend of mine who just bought some gigantic, like going to live in it for the rest of his life home with it for his family uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio. And I was like, wow, okay, mm -hmm. well done. Yeah, uh, that's all that was. Like that in Long <laughs> Island would be a ranch um, <laughs> with right? a quarter acre plot. So. Yeah. Any one bedroom. I mean, I'm, I've been looking cause we want to move somewhere bigger or, and I wish I could buy something, but I don't think I ever can ever in my life, but maybe one day, but like yeah. even the one bedroom apartment across the street, there's condos across the street. They're like, they start at like 1.2 million. And I'm like that <laughs> for one bathroom, and a one bedroom Comedic. apartment. Comedic. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, people would laugh at us and we're like, whatever we chose this. 
<laughs> yeah, pay to live in the capital of the world. Uh, sue me. <laughs> so you, so growing up, you you already know that uh, you're you're going to be a star of some sort. Yeah, uh, you're going. You're 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 starting to do like community theater and all the plays in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I played sports in middle school. I was okay. very, I, I played tennis my whole life. I was very good at tennis. I was very into it. My mom's a tennis player. It was very important to her. And, um, and then by high school, I was like, I'll still play tennis, but I quit my other sports. I used to do like basketball and softball. I don't know. I did a lot of sports in middle school. And then yeah. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to do theater in high school. Now's the time to like be serious. So oh. I did all the plays in high in, in, high school and I like also did some community theater I did shows at my synagogue and like mm -hmm. yeah I, yeah wherever I could do it I would do it I did like a movie when I was in high school which was the coolest thing like Amazing. there was like a Philadelphia casting for like and I got on this movie and it was like three days in Staten Island to shoot my mom had to take me because I was like 16 or 15 I don't know what it was and I was like this is so cool I'm on set for a film and it was a period piece in the 80s so they like dressed us and I didn't yes. have any lines but I was in a couple scenes because it was like we were playing like the younger ver like flashbacks of the mm. leads so mm -hmm. at summer camp and it was like I thought it was the coolest thing ever I was like I need to be on more sets like this was dope yeah you were hooked but, you were hooked yeah I was into it and it looks so I mean it looks so sexy from afar um <laughs> and once you get on set you're like oh wow we're gonna do that again oh wow we're gonna do that again oh wow we're gonna do that for three days um right or whatever and it is super tedious like you have to love it yeah you it really do not, it is not for the faint of heart it is like anybody who's ever been an extra <laughs> like I got paid 150 dollars for what um right. and like it is uh it is it is truly a grind. But yeah. you were in. You were totally in. And I loved it. Granola bars never tasted so good as they did on set. You know, oh, sure. like it was just like I was really into the whole I want someone to do my makeup and my hair. I, I loved the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, when did comedy come into your life? Because you had mentioned earlier, like the goal was, you know, to to be a, a serious working actor and to uh, you know, to kind of get into all these different places, maybe some fashion, maybe some other stuff. And you said comedy wasn't really a thing for you. When did that start to arise? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess comedy in terms of like stand-up comedy right, wasn't yeah. a thing for me, but um, when I was growing up, and this is a bad, bad memory now, but I used to say, I'm going to have a show called Anna. If Roseanne can have a show called Roseanne, I want my own sitcom called Anna. Mm -hmm. And I watched a lot of sitcoms and, uh, and like sex in the city was like my favorite show. We would watch that as a family, the new ones every Sunday night, like as a family, which awesome. is probably highly inappropriate to watch Samantha, like <laughs> getting fucked in the butt with your dad in the room. Like that's, that was Sunday night, but I always, when I started doing the shows in high school and stuff, I never got a, a ingenue role. I never got cast as the female lead. All I wanted to do was be the pretty lead. And even at my all girls camp, I never got a good like female ingenue role. They That's always cast me as the funny, you know, sidekick or the boy at camp because it was an all girls camp. We had to play, you know, both roles and or all the roles. And, um, and so I was like, I always, you know, I, I would make people laugh. I knew that, but I was like, oh, I just want to be the pretty lead. And they would always give me the funny roles. And, uh, and so I kind of knew like, all right, I, that's, that's mean type typecasting is a thing. And your typecast is the silly sidekick fine. Or the sexy bimbo, you know, mm -hmm. I could do comedy. I knew that. And it was easy for me. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I guess when I went to college, like same thing, I always got very funny parts and I, I was not a, a theater major, which was a heartbreaking thing for me. I wanted to be a theater. I wanted to get a BFA in like musical yeah. theater. And were you, were you not allowed? Was that, was that part of the deal also? No, or, I was no? allowed. Okay. I was allowed, but here's the thing. I didn't get into some programs I wanted to get into mm. by singing, you know, fucking whatever, two songs and a monologue or something. And I was like, screw this. And, uh, and I visited a bunch of schools and I really didn't like the campus schools. Like I didn't, my dad begged me to go to Penn state. Are you kidding? I would have saved him so much oh, money because wow. he was very kind to me to, to pay for college. But you know, he begged for us to go to state school mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Penn state, there's six feet of snow and like one target. No way am I going here. And, uh, 
Yeah. So I, I went to school in Boston. I went to BU, uh, mm. which is super fun city to go to school in and yes. grounded me because it wasn't New York. So there was nothing to do but go to school. You know, if I was in New York, I would have quit. I would have quit and been like, I'm going to just audition. Like, <laughs> I don't need the school part because I really didn't want to go to school. And uh, but I went to BU. I was a TV production major because I loved television and mm writing. And so I wrote and edited and learned a lot of stuff in that, you know, behind the camera and which I is good now because that's most of what I do. But <laughs> at the time, but then I would audition for the plays. So I did all the shows and, uh, and I always did the comedies. Like I did either, you know, comedic plays or like I did like a bunch of Neil Simon plays or I did the musicals that were funny. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like found my groove in that, in that kind of world. Yeah. Yeah. Did you begin to accept the fact that like, okay, this is, this is what I'm good at. This comes easy to me and I enjoy it. Or it was like, all right, I'm good at this. It comes easy to me. And if this is what I need to do to get casted, then who cares? Rather be in the building than outside of it. Mm, I think I liked it. I, I was fine with it. You yeah. know, I, I was happy to be in a part of it, I think. And sometimes the funny roles have the best numbers. You know, I mm -hmm. was, like my last summer of camp, I was so annoyed because they did Charlie Brown. And I was like, this is my year. There's two female leads. I'm going to get one of them. Like, you don't understand how often they put me in a French braid and a men's suit. And they were like, now <laughs> your hands go down here when you dance with a woman. And, you know, it was <laughs> and I was like, I just want to be the cool. And then they gave me the dog. I played Snoopy. And no. I was like, I'm a fucking dog. And I complained until I read the script. And I was like, OK he has two huge numbers in this. And like, those are fun numbers. Like they're the showstoppers as one would say. Mm. So I embraced it. So I learned like, okay, these are fun roles. These are, you know, you get to make it you and be silly. So I don't know. I started doing that, I guess. And yeah. I, and I liked it and I liked, and then I started thinking about comedy like in college because I was writing, I never wrote a one hour drama. <laughs> I think I pitched one once, but like the scripts that I would write, I always wrote like half hour comedies. Yeah. Um, even when I had to do a one hour, I still picked ugly. I had to do ugly Betty because I was like, well, that's funny. Like I can write that. Right. Yeah. But that's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, guys and dolls is one of my favorite all time shows for mm. on Broadway and like Nathan Detroit is my dream role. Wow. Um, yeah. Like nicely, nicely has sit down you're rocking the boat which is like the number right just so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, i did that my senior year of high school that was my final show in high school amazing it was my first show in high school really yeah who did you play <laughs> i was not uh i, I played a gambler because it was my first show in first high school. show yeah so yeah i was a gambler and uh i was a person who was also frequently typecasted as the big bombastic funny guy mm -hmm. right like so like we need someone a caricature of an individual out here and so i was that guy that gave me the bright i remember i had this bright uh teal with black pinstripe zoot suit like i had the brightest suit of the whole mobsters uh or whatever they were like he's got yeah. a vibe we could yep. put him in a in the fun suit yeah and then they had me play the waiter uh when they were when sky masterson takes her to havana uh. um right and so like i did all these ridiculous things with this coconut drink and i was like i'm I'm a, I'm a take my moment. Yeah. Um, you gonna yeah. remember me. And Hell so that's, yeah. uh, that's what I did. When I auditioned <laughs> for guys and dolls, I'll never forget it. Uh, I, it was my senior year and I was like, there's no way anyone's going to play Adelaide over me. There's no fucking way. And I walked in there and I just sang Adelaide's lament for my audition. And mm -hmm. I had the perfect accent and I wore an outfit and I was like, <laughs> you just saw the show. And, uh, and so they cast me as Adelaide. They, I think they knew like Whoa. this girl might, go mental if we don't give her this role like yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I must have really made some kind of threat in there i was like and there you go <laughs> i mean the shoe fits with adelaide mm -hmm. uh based on what you've told us about yourself thank, uh, thank you yeah it was the best it's also a great part uh <clears throat> and then i went when i my first show in college it was really funny i had just played adelaide and i'm like i'm going to college where anyone can be anything maybe i will get nice ingenue roles maybe i will be someone else and then the first show we did was um what's it called not a funny thing happened um how to succeed in business without really trying do you know this show I do know yeah 
Oh, and of course, I got cast as the bimbo, Hetty LaRue, which is like Adelaide 2.0. She's not, she doesn't have the New York accent, but it was like the same shtick. Yeah, same exact shtick. That's awesome. That's awesome. When I went to college, uh, I had I had to make a choice between if I was going to go in for theater or if I was going to go for marine biology. Wow. And I told myself, I said, you know, I'm going to go for marine biology because I believe that if I am funny enough, good enough, talented enough, and I put myself in the right place at the right time and just nail an audition or whatnot, like I will get to be an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me get a degree. Uh, Let me get a degree and uh, that, you know, potentially I could use in the, in the meantime. Um, And so very smart. Oh, very smart. Yeah. Now I have a BS in marine biology and it is a 16 second bit in every speech that I give. (laughs) That's what my parents were also very generous enough and paid for my college. Uh, And so thank you for the 16 second laugh Mm -hmm. that I get uh, in every speech that I I have a BS in television. Just nice. that. Nice. I was very segregated <laughs> from film. I never wrote a feature film. I never took a film class. It was yeah. all TV. So when people see that, they're like, did you make this up? Like who, you know, most people have like film and TV or mm. communications. Nope. It just says BS in television, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. as BS as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> as someone who was typecasted, that's the kind of thing that can sometimes really mess with your self-esteem. Like we can laugh about it right now, mm-hmm. um, but I know for me, I know I, it bothered me. Like I remember watching Goodwill Hunting and being like, see, Look what Robin Williams can do. I can do that, right? Like mm-hmm. I can play someone serious, and but like you know, just it's literally like put me in, coach. Like let me try, and like, give me a shot. And in yeah. my senior year, I got to I was Billy Bigelow in Carousel, and that was the first time that I got to do something that was more of a serious role, right? Like the character winds up killing himself at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, but uh, but still, yeah, uh, that was my first shot. But it really messed with my self esteem. That's like James, you belong in this box, and this mm-hmm. is how people see you. They will always just see you as the funny guy that they they love having you around um and uh and it's fun but no one's actually ever going to like call and hang out with you or anything like that like but like just come here and fill your role and Aww. do what everybody wants you to do right it's an interesting story that really messed with my self-esteem and, and my counselor still we still have conversations today but anyway um but the thing is is that you know, i'm wondering if did, did any of that affect you in any way shape or form or did it did it cause you to work harder? Did it cause you to, uh, or did it cause you to be like, you know what, this is the industry I want to be in. And if this is the boy you're, if this is what you're telling me I need to do, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely. I think it affected me for sure. I think it, you know, it put, I don't think I like, it made you jealous. It made you feel that kind of like jealousy, almost like how we see it on social media when everyone puts their, you know, perfect life out there and you feel like I'm doing nothing. And all these Mm -hmm. people are on a billion shows and they're successful and they're booking jobs and everything. Like, I think it felt like, oh, they get the big, you know, the lead. And and I, I don't, and I don't know what that I'm not giving you that because I can do it. I can sing it. I could do it. I I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. I think, Totally. It fucks with you, especially when you're young and you're growing up and you're finding yourself, you know, to, to typecast a teenager is like, it's so silly. It's like, let everyone try everything. You know, none of us are going to be like this when we're older. Um, but it's funny when you said that I felt the same way I felt I was very, I never was very self-conscious. I wear what I want to wear. I feel very, you know, I, Uh, comfortable in my own skin. However, when I started doing comedy, I felt that same kind of like people are judging me in improv or people Mm -hmm. are judging me in stand-up based on what I wore or how I looked or if I wore makeup or whatnot. And then when I started auditioning for commercials with my glasses, you know, and, and I'd have agents who'd say, wear your glasses. They don't think you're funny if you don't wear your glasses. They'll think you're trying to be like pretty, like you're not playing the, you know, the pretty girl, you're playing the funny one. And Tina Fey is funny and she wears glasses. Like it was like, there was like one image. It was so strange. (laughs) And I was like, these, what a shitty ass industry, but I love it. I need it. You know, and, <laughs> it's really, it's a wonderful abusive relationship. It really. really is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I did an internship in casting when I was a junior in college, which I think opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Like mm. it, it was very helpful to see what, how things are cast and what really goes on, what really matters. And I, I think that helped a lot like just having yeah. to do that. It was a shitty ass internship. I hated it. I would never want to work in <laughs> casting, but 
you know, just seeing, I'd be like, this person's perfect. They're exactly what you're looking for, you know, like, and I'd be, cause I'd open all the submissions as an intern mm-hmm. and like, I just remember see like either they didn't like the agent. They were like, Ugh, I hate that agent. I don't want to, I don't, I don't like to audition any of his clients. And I'd be like, Whoa. Oh my God. But these people are exactly what you said you wanted. And like, they have like awards and they're in multiple TV shows, blah, blah, blah. Didn't matter. They didn't like the agent or like, I'll remember, I'll never forget what we were casting a judge role. Right. And they were like woman, like fifties to sixties, Caucasian woman, and we, they'd bring in like 25 actresses in New York and they'd audition for the role. And some of them were great. I'd sit in on some of the tapings. I was like, oh, wow, they nailed it. They got it. Next day. Oh, the director changed his mind. Actually, 50s to 60s Asian woman. OK, great. Then they brought in like, you know, all the the Asian actresses to play this role and they all audition. Great job. And then I'll never forget seeing the movie and the fucking judge role was like. I think it was Dennis Leary. It was like a friend. (laughs) It was like a friend of the director. And I was like, so much is out of your control. You know, like just get, just get in a room. Maybe it'll be your chance. You know, be nice to everyone you meet in the industry. You never know. Like it just, it, that taught me a lot. Just seeing how it's out of these people's hands. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They were great at the audition. All of them could play it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's quite literally that it's not you, it's me um, yeah. kind of thing with these individuals. But you're right because in in the in the acting world, you have to get exceptional at coping with rejection. Yeah. And that's, that's a known fact. But just because it's a known fact doesn't mean it's like, oh, all right, great. Well, let me just get in here and get rejected and I'll be fine. Really? No, there's so much that you put into each one of these roles, each one of the auditions, and you're holding the sides and you're trying yeah. to nail it. And uh, and. And that kind of that kind of information is wonderful to have. But for you, as you entered into the space and started going and, and auditioning more and commercials, as you said, and and whatever else you were auditioning for, did that background like were you able to kind of be like, all right, well, I guess they probably wanted Dennis Leary for the role, and it wasn't me. <laughs> like, or or like, did you still have to earn or like build that thick skin? I think I had to build it, no matter what. It sucks to get rejected, but yeah. I also, in the back of my mind, could be could convince myself, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, it's, it doesn't matter. Like do what you have to do. I love, I, after I leave an audition, Oh my God, I throw out my sides in the trash as soon as I walk out of the door. Like I love doing that. I I forget, you know, sometimes you have to remember if you ever get a call back, you're like, Oh fuck, what was that audition again? (laughs) But, but I'm really good at just putting it out of my brain. And I think the, you know, knowing that really kind of, especially going into it fueled me to be like, all right, I'll write my own stuff. I'll write stuff. Mm Because if I can make the project, if I can be the boss, then I get to say what goes. And, you know, I could pick my friends or I could, you know, there's so much more uh, flexibility when you when you do other things besides waiting for a, a call. You know, no one calls yeah. to, to cast you. I don't know. You got to be your own <laughs> boss. You know, you you started being your own boss, too. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. It's 100%. nice to be on that side. <laughs> it is. It has its own fears and insecurities, but yeah. don't worry about those. It's just nice to be on that side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the You mentioned this idea of like of having to wait for others' approval. And you and I both came up through the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and uh, and and did all the, all the levels of improv. That's where we met and uh, did all the levels of improv. I took some sketch. I'm, I'm assuming you took some sketch as well. And so we took, mm-hmm. gave that, gave that company who knows how much money and I, I don't regret it. I, and, I don't, and I don't, I don't crap on them at all. I'm very <laughs> grateful for the community that it helped me build in such in a city as big as New York made a lot of great friends and, and have a lot of great memories, but it was also interesting that I was putting at the time I was putting my success in their hands. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. Cause I didn't, I, I wasn't able to name it then, but I can name it now. Like I was waiting for them to give me the go ahead to know I was funny or mm-hmm. the go ahead to know that I was good enough. Yeah. Were you doing, was that, was that kind of similar for you as well? Uh, it was in when I turned to the casting office, I would start seeing the UCB shows and uh, on the weekends. And I was like, oh, I could do this. This is so, they're so funny. And it's so fun. I, I love this. And so I signed up as soon as I moved to New York after I graduated. I came here the day after I graduated. I already had a restaurant job. 
and I started class and I remember thinking I was so good at improv in my 101 class. I was like, I am killing it. I had Gil Azari. <laughs> I met one awesome. of my friends who I created tons of videos with over the years. I, uh, John DeMuth was in my class, like yeah. shout out to DeMuth. We had such a great core group and I was like these people, and some of them are still my friends today from that class. And then you move on to other teachers and I, you know, it's not, you're not as good anymore. <laughs> and I was like, now I'm in my head and everyone's like, are you auditioning for Harold? Are you doing this? Are you, doing that? you know, and it was all, and you felt like as soon as you walked in that door, I felt like, oh my God, who I have to impress these people they have you know mm -hmm. i want to get ahead i want to be in on the teams and and you know if that you're not going to get a commercial agent unless you get on a house team and then if you get on a house team you better get on ASCAT. like it was such a it was grad school i feel like in a lot mm -hmm. of ways you know because i didn't go to grad school and uh there came a point i think where i would see i saw a lot of people getting so sucked in and it was all they did right and mm -hmm. they were so funny and so talented but all they did were shows in this basement which led to so many careers but i was also like you know i i don't like having to invite people to see me perform for one night that no one's gonna remember what i did you know it's it's yeah. not so i don't know that ucb i feel grateful for like you know it gave me a place to perform and stuff but i also like quickly was like, I don't want to put all my eggs in this basket. Uh, there came a point where I just didn't audition anymore for the show, the teams. Cause I was like, you know what? It makes me feel bad if I don't get it. And there are other things I could be doing. And so I'm going to just do those. And so I started making a lot of video stuff and I was like more fulfilled than inviting people to like an improv, a sketch show, an improv show. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I think, I mean, it's right. Like at some point in time, you have to make the decision that what is going to fulfill me more and mm -hmm. what is going to, and who is going to be the controller of my energy and also my future. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they didn't make me feel good when I auditioned and stuff. And I was like, I don't think they get it, you know, like, and there are other outlets to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure. And just but like, I loved it. Yeah. Right. I still love yes. the people and the experience I had there. I wouldn't trade that in. Yeah, no, for sure. A lot of times I, I credit it to, uh, I was just like the, the wrong person at the wrong time for them, right? Like mm -hmm. they, are, they either had someone like me already, or mm -hmm. they were kind of moving in a different direction with a different style of humor than I was bringing. And so, you know, and that, that, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, what's funny. I, in 2015, I wrote a script with my friend and we got into the just for laughs festival in Montreal and people at UCB started taking me seriously because I got into JFL with my script. And I was just like, I was annoyed. You know, I was also like, haha, yes, I got into this cool festival yeah. that all these comedy people, you know, try year after year to get into. I wasn't a new face, you know, like a new face character, but it was like, it felt really good to like do something. And whenever I have done something like I'm writing a new script or I'm going to produce a video or I'm going to shoot a music video, I don't know. Whenever I've put a project out there on my own, it has led to something else that's better. So, I, you know, I wasn't sitting there waiting for them to put me on a Herald team anymore. I was like, all right, I've learned. If I work on my own shit, someone will, you know, see that. Someone else yeah. will see that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I did have closure. Can I brag? I got to do ASCAT as a monologist. And that was like. Are you serious? That was like the coolest. Well played. That's Thank like you. auditioning for, uh, that's our equivalent at this time for auditioning for SNL and then getting to come back and hosting. And it. host it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah they <laughs> let, when I was doing HQ, when I first got hired at HQ, they asked me to come and do it. And I was like. Oh my God, this is so cool. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. This is also <laughs> fun for people who have no idea what it is. We're just like, oh, wow, she got to do something called ASCAT. That sounds like it's a really, <laughs> sounds like a really big deal. It's a big deal at, at the Upper Citizens Brigade. It's the Sunday night show. They always have a guest monologist. And then the improv show is just funny for that person because it's their stories. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. The, uh, it, it is a big deal, uh, for sure. And so now that you've figured this out or not now you over the past handful of years that you figured out that like, I want to be the controller of my own thing, right? I want to, I want to write the things. I want to direct the things I want to like, I, you know, I kind of want to be the master of my own destiny. Um, for you, as you sit here and look at kind of where you're going and where you are, I'm wondering like, what, like, what's the goal? Like, where, where are you trying to go? Or are you there? Or like, what, you know, what, what's next for you? What would you love to do? 
I'm nowhere near there. Uh, okay. it, it actually freaks me out. You know, every birthday I, when I was younger, because I, unfortunately, because I knew what I wanted to do at a very young age, I had age limits for goals. You know what I mean? I was like, I will be at the Emmys by age 27. I will be at the Golden Globes by 29. Like I would give myself these, these fucking years. <laughs> and then I see these years approach me and I'm not there yet, uh, which is sad. Um, <laughs> so no, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I work really hard. I don't know. I have a lot of different projects going at all times. And I feel like you kind of have to. You can't You can't just bank on one thing anymore. Um, you know, even when you're in a meeting, it might not be the right thing that they're looking for. But you have four other things you're working on. And they're interested in that. I've had that happen before where they're like, oh, we like that idea instead. And you're like, oh, OK, uh, <laughs> have it. Uh, yeah. You know, so I don't know. The goal is... I'd like to, I'd like to produce some TV shows. Um, yes. I, I very much love the unscripted world I host and I, I love reality shows. Um, I'm not, not, I don't watch like the housewives and stuff more like the competition food, uh, you know, okay, talent, yeah. talent competition shows. Um, so yes, I guess in, in a way I'd like, there are certain people who I'm like, I'd like their career where they get to be on camera, but they also serve as an executive producer on a lot of shows that they created, you know, like, mm-hmm. a like a Ryan Seacrest, like a Nick Cannon, like, uh, I don't know, like a Tina Fey. I don't know. She has sure. a ton of stuff, but sure, yeah, right. yeah, she's not as much an unscripted, but yes, uh, I'd like to be able to produce shows that I'm curious to see make it on tv i don't know yeah and there's some that i want to be in and on and and some that i don't need to be on that i just Mm -hmm. love the idea and i'm happy to see it go yeah it's funny because as as you were talking about that i felt like this uncomfortableness of like i'm talking it i'm saying it out loud uh or it's just feel weird to share it or is it like is it weird sometimes it's weird to talk about our dreams and try to name them but also i think there's also a weird stigma sometimes around people who want to do what you want to do or what I want to do. I want to be on TV also. That's Mm -hmm. a a big goal of mine. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way uh, around it. And I'm trying to, you know, like the the big dream for this here diner talks is actually like, I want this uh, to be a TV show one day. I want to be two or three cam shoot a mixture of comedians and cars getting coffee and letterman's like I'm telling you, uh, letterman's, uh, my next guest, guest, right? Like that kind of, that, those kind of shows, like that's what I would love for this to be and like yeah so i'm trying to bust my chops i'm gonna start getting a hand to some producers i'm gonna try to shop it around see if i can win some whatever right like in and it's there's times where it feels weird to tell people that out loud and i don't know why it is i don't know if it's because we're expecting people to push back on the idea of like well that's not you know you're never mm-hmm. gonna do that right and like, only one percent of basketball players make the mba yeah. um, or whatever <laughs> what was it i mean i don't know if you felt yourself kind of like giggle a little bit while you were talking or there was an uncomfortableness in there no i think i laugh because i because when someone says scripted, unscripted, I do it all. I'm like, okay, you sound stupid. Uh, but it's true. I do have a couple decks that are for unscripted shows. And then I have a, right now I'm working on a half hour pilot and a feature film. So I'm like, yeah, I do have my toes in both worlds. But I, I think saying it out loud sounds silly. And I would judge if I heard myself say that, I'd be like, you sound, you know, it sounds silly. But yeah but you don't know what'll take off, you know, like you really making the soup videos last year. Like I, during the pandemic, I made these, I produced these 10, they're dumb. They're shot terribly. I, I, I'm really, you know, I'll say anything. I wear silly outfits, but I love doing it. And, um, I produce a lot of better looking stuff than the soup videos, but for some reason they were fun to do. And I just did them in the pandemic and I got a job because of them working on a a video game. I wrote for a video game that was about food that mm-hmm. should be coming out. And, and so like, they were like, you know, food and, and I do, and I, I did work in fine dining and I, I do know, you know, and I was like, you never know what things will lead to. So, you know, that's why, but I did laugh at myself. I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's awesome. And that, the, you're right. It's about putting stuff out there and you, cause you never know what somebody's going to see or what's going to stick. Um, right. And you didn't produce those soup videos. Cause you're like, you know what? 
you know what this is going to be the angle for? I'm going to crush. There's probably some video game that's coming out that I don't even know exists. Um, <laughs> and like, right. Like that's not, that's not what it is. Um, yeah. But, and so, yeah, there is, yeah, there's a lot of power in just, and just doing it. A friend of mine says, just hit the damn button and just yeah. press record. And there, there's power in that. Yeah. Like I, TikTok. I mean, that's a perfect example. Like mm. a lot of people, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm like, do anything. You throw anything at the wall on TikTok, you never know what's going to stick. Usually it's the shit that you don't work on at all will take off. But like, it's just like, it's a fun, pla- I love it right now. It's a fun platform to try anything. And some things that will stick, then you have a little like, you know, niche for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to do that. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's a great place to like, just throw out your dumb ideas into the ether, you know, and it's see what great, happens. Truly a fun pool to play in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, not good on sure. it either. I don't have as many followers <laughs> as anyone, but I'm like, I'm like having fun with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, this, the last concept that I kind of want to a touch on here at the end is you know, I'm someone who thinks about legacy a lot. Mm. And I think I, it causes me to put a lot of pressure sometimes on myself of like, you know, I do have these goals. I do have these dreams and I'm not there by whatever age I thought I would be at, or I'm seeing so-and-so and they're this old and I'm this old. And so what does that mean? Right. And then you're the other stories of like, Oh, well, this person didn't get famous till they were 65. It's like, well, cool. I don't, that's good for them. I don't want to wait that long. Uh, right. Like, and so, uh, so I'm someone Although, who, I don't know. Jean Smart's having an amazing year. I would love to have her career at her age. Doing just fine. Yeah. Doing just <laughs> fine. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, but the idea of waiting that long yeah. is right. There's, I, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm a little too impatient for that. I'm not proud to say it, but it kind of is what it is. And so I'm someone who is kind of constantly thinking about things, uh, in the future, it sounds like even just with the way that you talked about these soup videos or the way that you talked about TikTok right now, that that's not necessarily the way you think. Mm-hmm. Look at, you have goals, you have dreams and aspirations, but you're not every single thing that you press record on. You're like, this is going to be it, <laughs> right? Like you have, it sounds like you've been able to be more present in I- the pursuit of your dream. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I am present because I, it's funny when you said it before, I was like, I am present. But then I'm, then I I went back and I was like, I don't know if I am. Um, <laughs> I don't like to think too far ahead. I really do think, uh, I don't know. I think it, it drives me crazier if I think too far ahead. Um, I think other things that have happened in my life and therapy, you know, have kind of like helped me stay grounded and like, I also come from a family of people who are in recovery. And so, you know, they're always one day at a time uh, for everything you have to complain about. They love to push, you know, that on you. And I, I think it's, it's healthier to just focus on, you know, now, I don't know. Otherwise I would lose my mind. I mean, I I'm, you know, my birthday's in a couple of weeks and I really go insane around my birthday because I don't like getting older. I don't like being, I don't like getting older and not being where I thought I'd be. Mm. Um, and so I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I also distract myself with making stuff. Like that's how I, that's how I get through. And then those yeah. things end up becoming some stuff sometimes. I don't know, you know? Yeah. So as a creative person, it sucks. I'm a Gemini, you know, you, you want to do everything. You can't decide. Uh, so I think as a creative person, it's like, yeah, I, I need to, where am I going to be? I I gave up on where I'm going to (laughs) be 10 years because I'm not there now, but I know I have an idea for something fun. I want to make next week for, you know, whatever date happens next week. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's, that's, first off, it's beautiful to hear you speak about it. And I, I love, I love that we're different in that way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't wish what I do on anybody, right? Like I think it's, <laughs> I mean, that's right. It's anxiety, right? People have depression and worry about things in the past. People have anxiety, but worry about things in the future. Um, and the fact that you are able to be a little more present is awesome because I think it's great that you can just press the button. And just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make this thing and I'm just going to do it. And we're going to see what happens as opposed to, I know for me, I get in my own way of like, you know, I, I, uh, not so famously, <laughs> um, uh, Ray, uh, have eight episodes of a podcast recorded that I recorded back in 2014 mm-hmm. and, or 2015 or something like that. And, and never saw the light of day. Cause I decided they weren't good enough. Mm. Right. That's so dumb. 
just yeah, put, put them out. out and then get better, right? Like just work on it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, they weren't exactly. And like there was, and it was like a dumb reason. And, but like, it was the kind of thing where the, my head just spun to the point where I was able to shut it down and just mm-hmm. like full stop on that project. And it took me four years or something like that to pick it up again. Wow. Um, right. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's awesome. There's, there's a lesson somewhere in there of like, let's, let's go right? Like you got it. You got to put stuff out there. And the fact that you're working on all these different things, um, that doesn't mean that you don't know what you want to do or you don't have, it's like, well, scripted or unscripted or whatever. Right. It just means like, no, I fucking want this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to figure it out. And I, it's really cool as your friend, uh, to watch you, uh, keep pushing. Thanks. Uh, It's badass. Thank you. I don't know how to not. I wish I could not. You know what I mean? Like I can't binge watch television. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Oh, hi. Sorry about that. <laughs> He's done. He's like, thank you. Um, Sorry. Say so you can't binge watch children. Say again. Yeah, like it's so funny when people are like, like if I'm sick, if I'm like, I literally, I cannot physically like work or do anything, then I I can sit and watch TV all day and all night. I yeah. majored in it, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I, I pay for cable and all the streaming services. But <laughs> I feel bad about. I like I can't sit there and watch six hours of TV like just for fun on a, on a random day. I don't allow myself to watch TV until after I eat dinner or like while I eat dinner, mm-hmm. which is usually like 9 PM. Like I don't, I, for so, it makes me feel like I'm not getting work done. And maybe that's just like adapting to freelance life five years ago when I was like, all right, how, how am I going to make myself work? Yeah. You know, don't do anything fun in the day. <laughs> that's a work day. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so real. I wish I could relax. I wish I could just like trust that, you know, I can give myself time. I try to on the weekends and stuff. Like I, I give myself, I'm better at it now. I think a pandemic really helped you to find a day or two in the week to not do shit, but <laughs> I do that mental health day. Yeah. But I feel bad for myself if I, I can't do that to myself. Like I'm like, no, you have, you have stuff to be done. No one's going to write the script for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you want a meeting for this to pitch this show? Like, perfect the deck then like make it good and send it out and i don't know yeah I, i'm very hard on myself i act like i'm i'm in the moment but i'm also very hard on myself yeah yeah for sure uh, and I, I appreciate your honesty there it is uh first off it's refreshing uh <laughs> and it's also it's real right like this is uh, yeah i don't know i am every single time after i give a speech um or uh every time after i give a speech or, or something like that there's my my uh, my wife is always like you're not allowed to talk to me for 48 hours about how that went because she knows it'll be like well you know i said this wrong my transition over here was trash and like this one other thing right and mm-hmm. just like and yeah it is uh yeah, being being her own worst critic is is definitely real mm-hmm. uh, hosting so- live though has helped me get rid of that like mm-hmm. doing hq do hosting over 450 live shows like in the beginning, I'd be like, oh, my God, on question two, I fucked up that word. I didn't say it properly. And yeah. then, like, no, I learned that, like, you walk out of there and it's done. It's it's out in the pit and to my, tonight's a new show. <laughs> like, you can't. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel that way a little bit with your speeches when you're like, you have to, like, that would happen. It's done. I have the next one to focus yeah. on. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate you so much. Thank oh, you I appreciate so much you. for kicking it with me, friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. This yeah. was, I hope I gave you a good episode. Did All you? of you. <laughs> I, I have been gifted a good episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I appreciate you, friend. Yo, that was Anna Royceman coming in and kicking it here in the diner. So fun to catch up with an old friend who's doing some really badass shit. I hope you'll check her out. HQ Trivia is everywhere. And also, she's just off doing some amazing projects. Follow her, Anna Royceman, all over the internet. She's worth your time, my friends. And my friends, you're worth my time. Thank you so much for kicking it with me in the diner. Until the next time we get to share a chocolate milk, do me a favor and keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, <laughs> come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.